1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, NWSL analyst and broadcaster. On today's episode, we have news and notes, a USWNT preview versus Paraguay, and our mailbag segment. A quick reminder first that you can watch nwsl full game extended highlights at youtube.com slash attacking third please subscribe to our youtube page so you do not miss a moment of action lisa how are you doing today
0: i'm good sandra i'm happy today the sun is shining um the world hasn't burned down yet and there's nothing crazy coming out of the washington spirit yet so hey it's I'm, not a bad I'm, day yet uh, i'm how are with you?
1: you i'm with you 100 i was like geez. i'm like we're doing our Our midweek segment for our audience: Is there going to be more spirit news that we've got to tackle? And as uh, at this moment, as a time of our recording, there is not. But who knows that 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 can absolutely uh, change. But we were talking a little bit off mic about that. We were like, "What do you know? Let's take a look at the things happening in terms of uh, news for the you know around the league at this moment." But not a ton uh, right now, but there was a, an interesting thing that dropped uh, overnight in terms of the NWSL Championship final. Uh, Portland Thorns went ahead and they hit the postpone button in terms of their presale sale uh, for the NWSL Championship. The pre-sale for the NWSL Championship game at Providence Park, previously scheduled for this week, has been postponed. We will announce a new date as soon as it is set, is what the uh, the organization went ahead and tweeted out. Uh, But, you know, of course, like all things in this league, for whatever reason, this season, uh, once something is announced like that, very simple thing, uh, people take it and run with it. They go wild. I, I just... You hate to see it, but we saw it, and people are like, "Oh, like something is changing. This means something else. It means you know something deeper. Uh, maybe they're changing the kickoff time. Maybe they're changing the location, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. You know, people just taking a, a very small thing and then and then running. I personally don't think that it is much more than than what it is. Uh, it, they just postponed it for a second. They want to announce a, a new date. It could mean a number of things, and they could be just very minor, small things. Uh, when I think of like a championship final. And selling tickets for that. I think it's a huge event, Lisa. And maybe you yeah. want to try to get like the right amount of, of revenue, you know, you know, coming into play. And I do know as somebody who has attended NWSL Championship Finals in prior years, like not just in a media capacity, but, you know, as somebody is like a fan, like wanting to take in a the big game. You know, this is the grand event for N- NWSL. Um, There are sometimes different price points. You know, I do know. Back in 2016 in Houston, different seating where whether you're sitting center pitch or if you're actually sitting on the sidelines, sometimes there are like those fancy seats, kind of pitch level and different price points. So, you know, uh, if it is something about like figuring out um, ticketing and stuff like that, honestly, I'm here for it. I think if uh, if there is a team or a club or an organization, a franchise that that win the bid or are able to be the ones to host the final they should absolutely take a look at all the ways they can maybe capitalize on uh you know getting that that ticket revenue but i i didn't it didn't send off a lot of alarms for me personally lisa how about you
0: no, not not really for me. I mean, the, they just need more time. Who knows? It could be yeah. anything. The ticket prices, honestly, maybe they want to get some of the championship swag up on a uh, website to buy. I know it's, we don't have our teams yet in the championship, but still NWSL championship in Portland, like I'd buy that t-shirt. Um, so maybe it, it comes down to that, but you're right. Sometimes the the fans of this league, we love you all. I'm one of them, but it's it's not always smoke there's not always yeah. smoke and mirrors sometimes it's just they need a little bit more time to get things situated
1: <laughs> yeah I, I'm uh, I'm also curious to see that when they they do sort of um get all their ducks in a row right and then eventually do announce that pre-sale I I hope there is a lot of excitement for it yeah. I hope that there's uh, people who uh, are excited about maybe checking out an cell championship final I I know I'm thrilled I know that there's a lot of we had talked about it on a previous news segment when it finally got announced for the official site. Um, But even within all the discourse still want to try to celebrate the little things when we can. And quite frankly, we're getting an NWSL championship final, uh, you know, and there's going to be people allowed in this facility and people can watch that. And 2020 robbed the league of that quite frankly it robbed the larger general community uh, of that experiences as well and um here we are in in 2021 and there's finally going to be an NWC championship final for the first time since 2019 and uh the final has sort of become like i had mentioned like a a grand event and and people sort of looking at it it's it's the go-to event every professional sports league has that moment whether it's the nfl you've got the super bowl if it's you know nba you've got nba finals events you know that you can attend or mlb or, or world series and uh it, it should be no different when it comes to to this league that that we cover and follow so closely if there's a huge event on a specific day uh it should be treated as such and it's very very exciting and um this is me giving my own, I guess, small personal plug for for that. If 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 you are someone in a position where you you do have the means to go ahead and treat yourself to an NWSL event, the championship final is a great one uh, to do that. And the fact that it's being held in Portland, in a a place in a community that are not strangers to hosting such a big event, um, there's always things to sort of take in around that weekend, whether it's something that's spearheaded by supporters groups, or even just like the, the concept of like going to a new place, like a new city, and like being able to explore things is also really, really cool. So I'm excited for when the pre-sale finally actually does go up because I would like to see, you know, the type of uh, excitement that that type of uh, event can generate. So And
0: even though we don't know necessarily the teams that are going to be in it, the the landscape that this season has, has given us of teams that can come out on top and underdogs that have really proven themselves and dark horses that maybe uh, really fell behind that we thought were going to do well. This is the championship that you want to be attending because anything can happen. No matter what two teams make it to this championship in the final, whew, whew, it's going to be a good match. You, I can already guarantee that um, just because so much is, at stakes and so much is on the line and a lot of these coaches they talk about this regular season and some of them admit like we're not really worried about wins or losses until we get to the playoffs and then winning the championship means everything so week in and week out they're not super disappointed when they get the loss you know, we kind of ask them sometimes as broadcasters like hey like big loss last weekend what happened and they're just like it's fine we're not yep. in the playoffs yet. This isn't the championship. It doesn't matter. We'll still get there. Which, like, you love to see that confidence. But that's how much the championship in the NWSL means to the coaches and the players and the supporters. So, I second that. If you can get there, get there.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm with it. Let's. Uh, I know we're. You know, keeping our fingers crossed that everything like stays the way that it's will stay, and then we can try to plan our own appropriate things, and we could continue to produce uh, the content that we produce, but with a championship twist for sure. But um, no NWSL action this week. And this is typically our news and notes and mailbag episode, but there is a United States women's national team uh, pair of friendlies that are coming up. So we are going to hitch everybody up with a quick preview of that. The game is going to be taking place on Thursday, thursday september 16th uh, so everybody get ready for that the first of two friendlies uh, they're going to be facing off against paraguay just to run down this roster by positioning and so people get an idea who are looking for a lot of familiarity in terms of the olympics uh, because that's really what these games are these there's these two matches and then two more coming up in october really kind of a, a bit of an exhibition to just sort of congratulate the olympians on, on the bronze medal and the first two are going to see um a lot of the the 2020 tokyo game olympic uh, roster with a, a few additions to them so we've got jane campbell and adriana francis the goalkeepers for defenders abby Dahlkemper, kemper turner davidson chris lodon casey krueger kelly o'hara becky Sauerbrunn, and emily sonnet for the midfield core it's Lindsay huran rose lavelle katarina macario christy muis Andy Sullivan and for the forward core, it's Tobin Heath, Carly Lloyd, Alex Morgan, Mallory Pugh, Sophia Smith and Lynn Williams. Uh, previously, when we broke down this roster, we talked about how there is no inclusion for uh, a listener, uh, listener, or Sam Mewis. So they are around with the, the training camps and are, participating in the sense of getting evaluations and seeing where they are in their current rehab. Uh, Julie Ertz and Megan Rapinoe are completely out of this one uh, with current injuries and Kristen Press um, has made the personal decision uh, to put international playing on postponement for a second while she continues to focus on her mental health and we send her our best. Uh, But, Again, not a lot of surprises in this roster, Lisa. It's it's exactly what we figured we were going to be seeing uh, post um, Olympic friendlies for this team. It's a huge. It's it's the Olympic roster plus some NWSO players. That that's who's going to be taking on uh, Paraguay over these next two games. Uh, what are you What are you trying to get out of a game? Any or both of these games, Lisa? Because. This is a team, uh, Paraguay is a team that the uh, United States doesn't have a lot of familiarity with. Paraguay is a national team um, in, a, in a certain situation that a lot of other teams have been in coming out of sort of uh, the pandemic as they're currently navigating those things, not getting a lot of time together, not necessarily uh, seeing a lot of time on the pitch or having camps together. Um, so there's potential for, for this scoreline to look a certain kind of way when we're looking ahead to these two games. So what are you looking for uh, in terms of watching this team and what they could get out of these games?
0: Looking at this roster specifically, which is what you started with, you gave us uh, the rundown as to who all will be attending these matches. Um, I, I, if I'm Flatco and I'm sitting in this chair looking at this roster ahead of me, I have to be thinking about the future. I do. So, of course, Carly Lloyd is there, and she deserves to start and play a lot of minutes because she has had an incredible career that deserves to be honored and recognized in front of um, the U.S. crowd at, at huge packed stadiums. So that's one box that we have to think about as Vlatko and Donofsky. Another box is the future, the World Cup, the World Cup qualifiers that are coming and how you have a lot of young talent, talent that maybe didn't get a lot of time at the Tokyo Olympics or who wasn't even on the roster during the Tokyo Olympics that you're thinking about potentially bringing with you to the world cup. You have to see how they fit in um, despite whoever your opponent is in Paraguay, but how they fit in, in this team and how they fit in with some of the veterans that are already on this team or some of the younger players that did see a lot of minutes in the Tokyo Olympics. And that's where the, the pieces of the puzzle have to come together I honestly don't think that Vlako Andinovsky even cares about the score line at the end of these matches. I mean, maybe just for like his own personal stat book and and Wikipedia page about how many wins and losses he gets with this team. But um I, I don't want anyone that doesn't watch these games to look at the score line at the end of it and make any judgment. Um I, I think the US will win. However, I think it comes down to more the players on the field what they're doing, and what they're showing. Um, uh, when I look at the the goalkeepers, we have Jane Campbell and A.D. French. I want to see Jane Campbell play a full 90 minutes. I do. Because yeah. you saw what happened in Tokyo Olympics. Very unfortunate, but Alyssa Nair got injured, and then A.D. French had to step in. And in those first few minutes of that match, she looked a little shell-shocked. And you don't want that to happen again. God forbid another player gets injured in the World Cup or a bigger game, and they have to step on the field. And now they've never been in that position. So I want to see Jane Campbell get a full 90, or maybe they split halves, or I doubt they'll do that. But I want to see a full 90 from Jane Campbell uh, between her and AD Franch. And then when you look at the back line, um, I think Casey Kruger is a player that didn't see that many minutes in Tokyo Olympics that deserves to have some more. She's been a player that's been on the bubble of this national team. Um, and now she's gotten a chance to be at camp and how does she play? Uh, we know how she, played in Tierney Davidson, because they both play for the Chicago red stars, but a player like Becky Sauerbronn or a, another center back slotting in there, whoever it may be, whether it's Abby Dahlkemper um, and then crystal Dunn on the outside. So the, the defense is not that different than what we saw before, but in the midfield, there's, a Katrina Macario, uh, Christine Mewis, who didn't see a lot of time at the Olympics, Andy Sullivan, who has now made this roster. I want to see Andy Sullivan and what she can do with Becky Sauerbronn in behind her and playing that six defensive midfield role with really speedy forwards up top, maybe a Lynn Williams. I'd love to see that. Um, But that's what I want to see. Different Combinations of players on the field because this this is the long game now for Vlaco Andonovski and for the U.S. Women's National Team. While still keeping in mind that Carly Lloyd deserves all the recognition <laughs> and all the praise in these games because she does. This is a huge moment for her, and that's probably what's drawing most of these crowds at these stadiums right now. It's it's her victory lap, and she des- deserves to be celebrated.
1: Yeah, in terms of a starting eleven, I absolutely. I'm in agreement with you. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely expecting to see Carly Lloyd in these lineups, if not getting the star, probably getting the captain's armband and, mm-hmm. you know, getting extensive minutes, you know, within them, whether or not their full 90s, you know, remains to be seen. But I I would love to see, uh, you know, players who maybe didn't see a lot of time. Mm-hmm. During the Tokyo Games, to also get some some match minutes, and obviously, yes, goal, keep, goal the goalkeeper position is a huge one. Um, whenever the opportunity presents, the you know sort of number two or, or or third string, you know, should always try to get game minutes when they can. And it looks like this is going to be a pair of friendlies in which that that does happen. So whether it's Campbell getting the first one or French getting the first yeah. one. Not too sure how it's going to play out, but I, I think as as long as they split them, I'm good with that. I would like to see that for sure. Um, but, yeah, I absolutely want to see the players who didn't see a lot of time uh, in the Olympics. Katerina Macario is another one for me uh, to sort of really get into the mix. I would love to see a combination of, uh, you know, Macario and, and Smith and Pew on the pitch at the same time, if possible. Um I would be be here for it 100%. I don't, again, I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm not Blacko, but so if I'm looking at...
0: I think there's also the balance of playing those players that don't have experience. So that would be a, a Macario, a Smith, um, a Malpew that don't have experience at this level, playing them together and see how they do. But also throwing a Sophia Smith in the front line alongside Alex Morgan and Carly Lloyd, that would be interesting. I want to see what that looks like. It's, it's I think finding the balance between the young players playing with the young players and seeing how this team could look in the next three or four or five years versus also throwing in the young players with a lot of the veterans to see how well they adjust to uh, playing with veteran players that can understand and dictate the game. Because I think that's where the learning curve will be more apparent and then these players can you can learn more playing next to someone that has more experience than you, than you can by sitting and watching them on the bench. But also you can learn a lot by playing on the field with other people that have no idea what's going on and you're just thrown into the fire and you have to figure it out. So the, the balance between the young with the young and the young with the veterans, um, I'm really excited to see how it plays out because Blacko is a tremendous coach. I, I believe that. And I think he has a game plan that will benefit not only the younger players, but also the veterans in, in making sure that they pass on their knowledge and their experience to the rookies of this team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is this is a – Paraguay is a national team in which maybe you're going to want to try some of those scenarios out, right? Maybe sort of getting X amount of younger players who haven't been seeing a lot of time on the international stage in this Uh, current system with the U.S. women's national team against a team like Paraguay, like, yes, there's going to be, um, you know, the narrative that a a team like Paraguay is going to present new challenges because you don't face this team. Often, and that's and that's true. And I am always personally excited whenever Latin American teams are featured against, uh, you know, the United States women's national team for a number of reasons. It provides a look at a team that audiences aren't used to watching. It provides a look into players that they're not used to seeing, uh, quite frankly, on the pitch. Um, you know, and it's and on the other side of things, it's it's huge for a program like Paraguay for that for that women's team. You know, these are players who. Don't get a lot of opportunities, um, let alone at this level, at that scale, going, having the opportunity to go up against the number one ranked team in the world. So for a lot of those players on the opposite side, this is maybe a chance for them to really show off and showcase who they are and what they got. Um, Scouts who might be in the area, being able to look at the opposition if they're trying to get a different look at a different player to in- integrate within their own uh, teams or, or systems, you know, but uh, just just not a lot there for this part. Of so, I mean, they were supposed to have games against uh, Colombia. And they got canceled the last time they had a match was in April against Japan and it was a seven zero blowout, you know? So it's just, there's, there's things that we're looking for within this Broadway side as well, that we can maybe try to, you know, present and, and talk about, you know, with, with you, our, our listeners as well. So hopefully, um, you know, maybe it might not be that that type of scoreline, but I'm not gonna say that it won't be either. I mean, the United States women's national team has—they're uh, coming off of an Olympics where we were looking at the attack and we were like, "Wow, like, what's going on with the goal?" So, going up against this team and, and depending on who is lining up and how and where, um, maybe it might take some time for the U.S. to to still build that that attack and build that chemistry and in, in, in front of goal as well. So, uh, I'm looking—I'm looking to see uh, all of these things on, on both sides of the ball. So- So two games coming up in September, uh, Thursday on the 16th, and then on the 21st of September, that'll close things out. And then looking ahead, there will be two additional friendlies uh, in October that are going to be coming up as well. And we will be there for you uh, to cover all of that stuff as well. And we'll do live recaps for you all. So similar vibe to the Olympics. If you guys were were joining us, if you all were joining us during the very – ungodly hours of the Tokyo games where we were coming at you live post-match during these United States Women's National Team games and hitting you with live reactions and first reactions, guess what? We're going to do it again for these matches, and uh, it's going to be at a much better hour, quite frankly. <laughs> and we're going to be having a different type of energy, probably. Uh, maybe a little less caffeine, but I'm not, I'm not going to say that we won't have any. Uh, but we're going to be uh, participating and first reactions and live recaps for that as well. So look out for us about 30 minutes post whistle from these matches, and we'll hit you all up on YouTube and we will all hang out together. We will have the live chat going. We, we know how much everybody loves to say things at us. So we will be around. So come and, and join along and participate and all that. We're, we're excited for these games. Um, we're excited to, to share them all together. So join us along for the ride. Uh, another quick break for us and uh, we'll be back with our mailbag segment uh, to answer a few of your questions right after this.
0: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting Technology, marketing, and creative, legal, and administrative, and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The chilling new original docu series on Paramount Plus.
1: Now we're back to our favorite part of the midweek episodes is our mailbag segment. Now, like Lisa and I are really excited about these because everyone has been participating, uh, by leaving us a five-star review on Apple podcasts with a question about anything Quite frankly, we've we've had a lot of different types of questions. They, some of them have been uh, U.S. Women's National Team-based. Some of them have been NWSL-based. Some of them have been like scenario questions, and those have been a lot of fun. Uh, but you can ask us anything as long as you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll answer it as part of our mailbag segment, and uh, we want to hear from you. So if you haven't heard your question on the mailbag segment yet, Just hold tight. I promise that they're going to be coming up soon. We've been spreading these out so that we can take a little bit of deeper dives into some of these because we were like, you know, we need to spread them out because people are taking the time out of their day to go to Apple Podcasts and leave us the five star review. We need to take the time to look at that question and answer it in a really good kind of way. So we've got a few. um, We've got a few in the bank here. Lisa, are you ready to do this?
0: Yes, I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it.
1: All right, let's take a look at this first question. It's from Butler Bob Six. Butler Bob Six asks, after discussing the depth of squads for the Olympics, is it too early to talk about expansion for next year and player movement? So, Let's answer this in like in terms of what's happening, like obviously post-Olympics. So we also wanted to get to these because this is clearly we're talking about the the friendlies coming up for the United States Women's National Team. And a lot of the roster that's in place is the roster that went to the Tokyo Games. And we all know what happened. The team came away probably with a bronze medal. They had to go through a lot of things in Tokyo. There was a lot of adversity, obviously, that they were clearly playing through. And they came out on the podium with bronze medals. Um, but within that, there's obviously discourse. You know, there's it's a, it's a it's a spoil fandom that we're all a part of in a certain way. And uh, we're used to seeing this team perform and, and get gold medals or, or get, you know, World Cups. And uh, for some people... Uh, they were looking at this as kind of like, wow, geez, what's what's going on with the team? And and, and looking at, at areas of 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 improvement or, or where things could have gone wrong, right? Quote unquote. Um, but I don't think it's ever too early to talk about uh expansion for next year and 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 potential player movements. Uh Lisa, what are your summit takes uh for for this question from Butler Bob Six?
0: Uh Butler Bob, I love this question, Butler Bob Six. Um, yes, it's so easy when you're in the moment, especially this Olympics to say, where's the, where is the attack? Where are the goal scoring opportunities? This doesn't look like the same team. What can we fix? Let's fix it now. Let's fix it now. And, um, looking to the future of this team is bright. Um, we've had a very bright past us soccer, women's soccer fans. We have, we've been very spoiled and very lucky to follow a team that has, historically done very well and beaten teams by a lot. Um, The beauty of this is that the world of women's soccer is getting better, that the level of play is increasing all over the globe. And that makes it not as easy for the U.S. team to just walk through teams and, and score goals. So we have to look at the development of players and looking at the future of this team, and already from these friendlies that the U.S. is playing in September, we're seeing new players being added in because the rotation of players is leaving. Carly Lloyd has announced her retirement, so she will not be there for the World Cup. That opens a spot for another player and another player that maybe we haven't even seen or talked about too much yet. Um, but there are, are already additions to this roster that didn't make it to Tokyo that maybe should have, or that just provide a different look Um, and looking at the injuries that have been happening uh, with this team, there may provide more spots opening. There could be more retirements coming. There could be a lot of different changes that happen for the future. So the potential player movement, we will see different players. The roster will not be the same. We already know that for the world cup, Um, but young players in this league Sophia Smith being one of them, Lynn Williams, who did get time at the Olympics, but I want to see more of Lynn Williams. I want to see Mallory Pugh, who can be back on that world stage, um, scoring goals and and doing a lot in the offense um, with this team. So the player development is already happening there. And in the NWSL this year, there are a lot of really good rookies, really good rookies that I could see making waves into this national team moving forward. Emily Fox, the defender for Racing Louisville, one of the players that I've been watching all NWSL season, who is a a Rookie of the Year candidate for sure for this league, but I see her as as a potential spot on this national team, looking forward to the future. Another player, uh, Margaret Purse, Mitch Purse, who's not on this roster right now. She's been brought into training camps. She's still dealing with a bit of an injury with Gotham FC But she's another player that I think could join this roster and provide a different look, especially because she can play in the attack and in the back line as well. Um, So the player movement, it's happening every single day. It's happening. And I can assure you that after this summer, different things will be happening uh, because they already are. And the January camps that are coming, we'll see different players called up. And I can't wait till we get to there, too. Um, but
1: no for sure I'm, I'm there I'm there with you on all that I mean I think we've alluded to it a little bit already in, in certain episodes you know whether it was our reactions immediately following like the bronze medal match or uh, when the roster for the, these upcoming friendlies initially dropped uh, we've alluded to it already but at, like a different angle I think too like I'd like to add on to this question is like just in the event that like maybe Butler Bob six is, is referring to like the club side of things, like in terms of expansion for next year and potential player movement there. I mean, I, I think that's similar. I think we could definitely see a lot of movement there as well. There's, there's certain teams in the league that have a number of national team players on their rosters, some more so than others where uh, it's inevitable. (laughs) Like whenever you have an expansion team enter the league, um, there's always potential for the current roster in front of you to look different come kickoff in the regular season. So whether it's a team like you know Portland, a team like Chicago, quite frankly, um, a team uh, like North Carolina, teams that have had anywhere from you know three to five you know types of U.S. Women's National Team players on them on the squad. Yes, absolutely, especially in, in 2022, where there's going to be the introduction of two uh, expansion clubs that are coming into the league, as opposed to just one, where typically in years prior during expansion drafts, it's only been one one expansion team coming into the league. So in a year where there's going to be two, there's absolutely going to be movement. There's absolutely going to be um different types of uh, rosters that are probably or different types of clubs who might be looking at different scenarios to, uh, you know, protect their, their nine players. Now that we have the expansion draft rolls out and taking a look at who can be saved, who's going to be left off. There's probably going to be, honestly, there's going to probably be uh, conversations with, with players, you know, and in, in, um, you know, in, in meetings in, t- in terms of like, Hey, like this expansion draft is coming up. Like, are you comfortable with being left on, left off, et cetera? Like these are all things that happen behind closed doors, you know, and that's not uncommon during expansion drafts. And I'm sure for clubs that have significant amount of players on there, those conversations will probably be happening more so than others. But if you're looking at teams where maybe there's only one, or two type of national team players with maybe like a Asian dash side with, with a Campbell and a, and a, and a Muis, you know, versus like oh. a Gotham side versus a Gotham side that has, you know, a, a Carly Lloyd, you know, but that decision has been made. She's, she's making her exit from the game, you know? So all of these different scenarios are coming into, into play. I really just think it comes down um, from team to team. So I think that's what it's going to come down to. And I, honestly, I think, Pay attention a little closer to that expansion draft date, which is kicking off in December, and that's when you're going to maybe start to see some real movement uh, in terms of potential trades and, and stuff like that. So we'll see. But just a different angle I wanted to take uh, for, for Butler Bob's question, just in case they were referring to expansion in the league and not just in the United States Women's National Team pool. But we got a second question to get through, so let's let's get to it. So this one is coming from Learn Norsk. So from Learn Norsk, uh, they say, my question uh, for Sandra Elisa is twofold. Do you think that Vlako's lack of international tournament experience is what led to his questionable rotation and substitution decisions? And do you think they would have won gold if Jill were still their coach? It is. A, you're right learn Norse, this is this question is twofold. This is Lisa, this how, do, how do we want to do this? Do you want to take one part and I take another? Or I'll do, take one we part. Just like, okay. I'll I'm take gonna wanna just right. dive in on both. Go ahead. So the, okay, the first I'll part I'll of go. this do you think that Vlaco's lack of international tournament experience is what led to his questionable rotation and substitution decisions? Is that the part you're taking? Sure. All right, right on
0: so okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna discuss this. This is a discussion for me. So yes, the Tokyo Olympics did not necessarily go as anyone wanted them to go. Um, everyone wanted the U.S. to win gold. Everyone in the U.S. wanted the U.S. to win gold. Of course, everyone on that team wanted to win gold. They still meddled, everyone. They still meddled. That is a huge accomplishment. Just to rewind and, and replay the history books, um, in 2019, there was World Cup and the U.S. won. the U.S. did amazing. They were supposed to then turn around and go to the Tokyo Olympics in 2020. That was a quick turnaround for them. And Vlatko Andonovsky then took over the reins of this team. And he looked at a squad that had just won the World Cup and said, okay, in a few months, we are preparing for the Olympics. Why would I change anything on this squad? I'm going to keep it the very same because they just won. And to go back to back, no team has ever done that. No country has ever won the World Cup and then gold at the Olympics. And this was a very big opportunity for the United States to do that. So Vlatko Andonovsky, He had to make a decision to say, okay, I'm going to continue to practice with the the same squad that went to the world cup. Um, there was a pandemic that hit that was horrible in every scope of it, but in terms of this team and the soccer world, there Mm -hmm. was a pandemic. So this team could not get together and still
1: followed them to these games.
0: Yes. They were playing the Olympics in a pandemic. Yes. Without fans. So leading up to the Olympics, there was a pandemic. So even the team could not get together and practice. So even if Vladinovsky did want to change some of the roster... At that point, he would be bringing in a player completely blind that would never have any training with this team because the team that had won together couldn't even train together. So if you're trying to throw new people into the mix, they can't even train together. So his best option was to just keep the roster the same and move forward with that. Then the Olympics gets postponed due to this pandemic and another year goes by. And at this point, you still can't really change the roster because it would put the player, the new players coming into the roster in a bad position because they haven't been with this team and they haven't been training. Um, So he was really in a tough position heading into the Olympics. I just want to preface with that because I don't think his lack of international tournament experience um, led to anything. In this tournament, because from what players have said about him and friends that I know that have been coached by Vlatko and is he is one of the best soccer coaches that they have uh, that they have had. And you saw that during the Olympics when the players would come to his rescue during the media availability and say, no, this is not Vlatko's fault. We didn't play well. We didn't show up on the field. We didn't do good enough for him. Everyone was defending Vlako uh, because he is a very good coach and a coach that understands the landscape of soccer very, very well. So that's what I want to say in response to this question. Um, do you think they would have won gold if Jill was still their coach, Sandra?
1: I Okay. I love that I'm getting this part of the question because it's going to be quick. No. I don't I agree. I think that uh, if Jill Ellis was still coach in the pandemic Olympics, this team still looks the way they looked because there were moments during that tournament where we we're like this team just doesn't look comfortable And I don't know how much of it was the um, what people are referring to as the questionable rotation or substitution decisions. I don't know how much of it was that versus quite frankly, The mental component that comes into play when you are participating in a tournament like the Olympics, which we have heard time and time again, is an incredibly difficult tournament to play in. It's a shorter, quicker, much, much more fast paced type of environment. There's fewer rest between games. There's less teams that participate within this type of tournament. So, no, I do not think they would have won a goal if Jill Ellis was still their coach. The last time Jill Ellis was head coach of this team and they were in the Olympics, they got bounced. They didn't even make the podium. They had their worst finish ever in the Olympic Games, quite frankly.
0: Tell them, Sandra. I don't know.
1: I can't believe I have to remind folks about this, but that's what happened. (laughs) That is what happened, and it was devastating. It was devastating. This was the, the team almost uh, didn't know how to react to that after it happened. It was like uh, they were stunned, quite frankly. And um, I don't think uh, the whole the concept of the international tournament experience really came into play with this one because at the time you had a coach that had just won a World Cup with that roster and yet went into the Olympics and shook things up. Ali Long went to those Olympics. She was someone who was not on that 2015 World Cup roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mal Pugh uh, was in the mix leading up to uh, to the games and just really made like all of these waves. And 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 that was uh, for Jill Ellis. That was like the narrative around that. I'm not saying this is was actually what what her feelings were, but but the narrative around that at the time was. Was that this is like a Jill Ellis player um, that she recognized this young talent w- developing within the youth youth systems and started calling this player into national team senior level camps and all of a sudden was named to an Olympic roster. So there were adjustments. When we're, and this maybe trickles a little bit into, uh, you know, Butler Bob Six's question about, um, you know, player expansion and stuff like that and how we answered it in terms of the U.S. women's national team lens. But that's also that's also something that Jill Ellis did ahead of those Olympic Games as well. Mm There was a huge, there was a huge shakeup. I think Mm -hmm. that people forget about that. And part of that part of it, of course, was triggered in the fact that the Olympic or excuse me, the 2015 world cup roster was had, had older players on it, quite frankly. And there was players, um, that made the decision to retire. So there were a number of positions that opened up leading to those 2016 Olympics. But not just that, Jill Ellis was having conversations with veteran players. She had conversations with veteran players to say, this is what the next phase and future is going to be of this national team under my tenure. And guess what? It's not going to include or look a certain type of way. Um, And those conversations were had with somebody like Heather O'Reilly, who we ended up seeing getting chosen as an alternate and not making the full roster for, for the Olympics in that year. Eventually she made her departure from the game. We saw limited minutes. Uh, We saw uh, for, for, for certain players, we saw this big defensive core kind of get broken apart. You know, we no longer saw Megan uh, Klingenberg. We no longer saw uh, Ali Krieger you know, and, and there were just certain components that were just not part of that. And then the inclusion, like I said, of somebody like an Ali Hong and a MLP. So we have a different lens there. We have a lens in which a coach takes a roster and shakes it up a little bit and a quick turnaround from the World Cup to the Olympics. And guess what? It doesn't work either. They didn't even medal. So uh there's a lot of, again, there's been a lot of discourse of, uh, around it, but I just think there are, too many factors to, to take into consideration and, and put them into play. But again, it's a fandom that has high demands. It's a spoiled fandom. I tell you, it's it's like if it's not if it's not gold, it's a bust. And that's and that's tough because uh, I think in this particular Olympics that just took place, there was a lot more for us to take a look at and dissect.
0: Yes. In
1: a bronze they medal still finish.
0: Meddled. Yeah, I think the there metal. was a lot, I more. I
1: the was a lot more. Yeah, no, I, and, and honestly, it's a, it's a medal for uh, a lot of first-time Olympians as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Olymp, uh, quite frankly, for players who are probably going to still be in Vlako Andonovski's mix of a pool going forward. So um, I loved this question. It was great. Thanks. Shout out to Learn North for for this one. Allowing us to take the deep dive. We have a final one. Let's get into it and close things out. From sale, buddy, with so many ties this past weekend, when they get to the end of the season, what are the rules defining the teams in the playoffs? From details, please, Lisa. We actually alluded to this not too long ago in our recap episode where Chicago and Houston closed out their regular season series, and I asked you right away. I said, "Hey, what are some of the scenarios for for tiebreaker?" So, for sale, buddy, leaving us the question: Why don't we just? maybe run some of uh, those down again for them.
0: So as a reminder, wins in the NWSL get you three points, a loss gets you zero, and if teams tie, they split the points, each team walking away with one. So there will be tiebreakers. We've already seen it in the standings uh, when teams are both have the same amount of points. The first tiebreaker is head-to-head, so the win-loss record. Each team played another team three times, so that that is there. Uh, The second tiebreaker is the goal differential across the entire season. Um, The third is the greatest total number of goals scored. So the goals across the whole season against all the teams. Um, And then you go to games on the road. So the goal differential on the road, and then you do total number of goals on the road, and then you go at home. So goal differential at home, and then total number of goals scored at home. Um, if we get through all of that uh, and all those t- tiebreakers fail, the last resort is a coin toss. That's it. The two teams slip a coin and see who wins. But uh, Let's hope I wouldn't be, be there. surprised <laughs> if we get to the coin floss. At the, <laughs> the rate that the season's been going, I wouldn't be surprised. But yes, those are the tiebreakers. So head-to-head and goal differential are the the one and two, the main ones that we've seen already come into play this season.
1: Lisa, don't Put that energy out there! How dare you? I do not want to see it come down to a coin flip for any of these teams but in the mix. How fitting would that be? I mean, it's so... Oh my God! Are you kidding me? Be People- a Oh my gosh, Lisa! People are finding some. I mean, there's, they have reasons to be mad, and then there are other reasons to be mad, and no, this would be, one of, <laughs> would be one of them. Don't come out for sure. Well, I, hey, you didn't make the rule; it exists there. Someone put it there, I and mean, it wasn't you. Uh, but yeah, thanks for all the questions, everybody. Uh, sale buddy with a good one to, to close out things with an NWSL uh, question. Um, just to add on to, to Lisa's answer, it's it's one through six. So the playoff format has expanded. Uh, it used to be the top four teams in the regular season were the teams to enter into a playoff scenario it started with a semifinal, uh two semi-final matches and then winners from those games would compete in the nwsl championship final the team with the best winning most winningest record in the league would win the nwsl shield and then also compete uh you know typically for uh, the championship final so this year they're expanded. Obviously, there's going to be some more playoff games. It's not going to be just the two semifinals and the championship final. We're going to get some uh, quarterfinal-esque matches coming into play this year. Uh, so pay attention to it. There's a lot of teams. That, that that table is is very very narrow in terms of the middle uh, slots from four to or from three to to six. Quite frankly, so we'll see what happens and how things play out. Thank you everybody for the questions. Thank you everybody for listening. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitch. Anywhere you listen to your podcast show, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a question and we'll answer it during our mailbag segment like we just did. I hope you enjoyed it all. We're also available as video, so please subscribe to us on YouTube for episodes and extended NWSL highlights. Just visit youtube.com slash attacking third. We will be back Thursday night live after the United States Women's National Team match against Paraguay for a live recap episode and the episode will then also be available as a podcast for Friday. So for San Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was the second. Person. This is Tony Kornheiser show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else.